0: The Bucs got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits. At the big ball, these Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Under Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucs win. Ball spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible game winner. Right. Got it. Ball game. He's they got game, him. Buddy. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucs have shocked the Bulldogs. And the
1: sidekick. shout out to my What's your name, man? I told you. It somebody. doesn't matter
2: what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent.
0: It's Sandoz and the Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Monday, Jay Sandoz, Mike Gallagher. Coming in hot there, Mike (laughs) Hello. We're already fired up because we've all got to work a full day today, a full day tomorrow, and me and you are just going to come in for a little bit Wednesday to have some sort of podcast. uh, we got some time off. I'm pumped. Turkey. Oh, I'm pumped. Turkey. Pie. Potatoes. Banana
3: pudding. Banana pudding, interesting. Mm. Uh, mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes, green beans, some gravy, oh, stuffing. Let's go. Corn, I'm so pumped. Yeah, I am. Biggest thing for me, casseroles, random th- casseroles. See, basically for me on Thanksgiving, I, I got to have cheesy potatoes. That, that's
0: cheesy potatoes. Uh, oh, I lo- you ever had cheese potatoes? You have no, missed I mean, out have, on but life. I, I, but see, I'm such a mashed potato with one of two things: either corn, just thrown on top. Or, Love that. That's or, great. Or peas thrown on top, yeah. and then I get a roll and I slop the mashed potato mixture okay. on top of the roll and jam it in my face. So you're it's very a, much a mix all of the things oh, together Thanksgiving. I'm eating. not a. I'm not. And and which is come know, one, come all for you. My dad is like nothing's allowed to touch anything. Mm, yeah. He must eat like something all all of it at first then he goes back like no no no, i am um, it's all going to be jumbled up when it gets inside the belly doesn't true. matter to me let's just slam it and go
3: i'm very much the weird guy that no matter what meal it is, shocker will eat one thing at a time uh, like if you get fries in a burger i gotta eat the fries before the burger i'm a strange person when it comes to eating there's no question and maybe just overall according to you which i wouldn't actually dispute either
0: yeah that's us just go okay all right well, let's talk a little bit about what we got today then we'll jump into today's show uh we got football uh, men's and women's basketball? Yep. Uh, pros versus J at some 1, point. 1,000. Mr. 1,000. Oh, You're yeah, like Mr. Yeah. 3,000. You may still be
3: a couple of broadcasts short, but we're celebrating it anyway.
0: Okay. And then uh, last bold predictions. Right? We didn't make any, but we've got
3: season-long ones to season-long. get to. And they're not That's all right. done. They're not all done, but okay. the... ETSU and Southern Conference football related ones are complete, okay. and unfortunately, it's bad news for us that we'll save till later, uh, and maybe just not talk about it all. Okay, all right, all
0: right. Yeah, let's talk a little. I guess we have got to wrap up the ETSU football season. Yes, this will do it for the uh, on the field, and then of course recruiting comes up pretty quick. I think. In December.
3: W- well, I think Wednesday we should do a little. What are they going to be missing going into recruiting? What sure. holes need to be filled? What's the roster like looking forward? I think playoffs. Do that. Okay. Yep. Sure. So let's keep it to the Vandy game as much as I. May not want to do that today, uh, Vanny
0: jumped out 7 nothing lead. ETSU had a field goal blocked. Vanny went up 14 nothing. First play, third quarter, 75-yard touchdown. Don't <laughs> need to go over anything else. 30 <laughs> nothing.
3: That's about what I checked out was that first play of the uh, second half. You could,
0: and I'll say this, because we you know we get a chance to, up in a booth, we're usually near the coaches, and I kind of sometimes stick my head out, hey, what was the theme? What do you got? Because sometimes even if we talk, and we did not talk to Coach Sanders going into halftime just because uh, we didn't have enough bodies there, but Normally they say, Well, there's what well the whole theme was it's fourteen nothing, get a stop. You get a stop, we get the ball back, we score, they get nervous, they're like us, they've been struggling to win, so all you have to do is get a stop. And there was so much emphasis and momentum on get a stop, which is probably the right way to do it. And then the first play went seventy five yards and you can just feel the deflation. Here's Randy on exactly that.
1: Our guy's fault. They competed, they battled. Uh, as you mentioned, we got the the good play on the very first play of the game we stall uh, we did have the bad punt then we have the nice drive go down we got a third and short we get stopped on it Um, line up try to kick the field goal just to try to get something out of it to keep a little uh, uh, good mojo going and I swear I think the ball hit the the guy in the chest when he blocked it it was obviously I don't don't know if the hold was um, off or what but Uh, the kick definitely wasn't as high as it needs to be to have a chance to go through the upright.
3: Actually, that was Randy on the first half. Here's Randy on that first play, because obviously I'm all turned around.
1: What a huge momentum swing. It it was a true kick in the gut to the sideline, I think, because we had talked so much about uh, uh, the way we had to start the second half and come out and play. And I think everybody felt really confident uh, that we could come out and play with these guys, but um, that, that was a kick in the gut for us, and we didn't overcome it very well.
3: So you've got a field goal to the gut. And then a kick in the gut on the second half on the first play. Uh, special teams really hurt early on, I thought.
0: Special teams. You can't have, have that against a team like Vanderbilt.
3: Yeah, they Power five. Have trouble
0: blocking are. on the kick return, right? Had trouble blocking on two kick returns and eventually forced ETSU doing something they don't normally like to do, which is call for the fair catch. You had the 10-yard punt. You had the blocked field goal. Had some, had some things uh, not quite go their way. Uh, the first punt return, I think, was like a 17-yard punt return. And then after that sort of settled down uh, on on most of them. Uh, had a, a great kick. Uh, Kelton, I think went 53 yards at some point, really helped flip the field. Nasir player was an animal on punt team, which I loved. The fact that uh, a lot of NFL scouts were there that you know, and it granted some of it was out of necessity because they were sitting. some guys didn't want to burn a red shirt. There were other players that played on special teams that were out. And I think some of it was, hey, we can showcase because if Nasirs going to make an NFL roster, He's going to have to play some special teams. Which would
3: be good for him, good for the program.
0: And so, I think that was very smart. He was blocked, ran down the field, made plays in open field, open space at 6'5", whatever he is, 260 or something crazy. So, anyways, I thought that was uh, unbelievable for them. And I thought ETSU's defensive line, again, shorthanded, you know, not very big and bulky like an SEC defensive line. But they were able to get to the quarterback, and, and they didn't get home a lot. Or they didn't get home for sacks. I think they had uh, a couple of sacks, maybe six tackles for a loss.
3: Uh. They had six sacks and 12 tackles for a loss. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. To think that that many
0: mounted. So, to to look at that. But you're sitting there and you look at it in the situation. But but to get home like that, to to make... Neil uncomfortable when they didn't get there. He was there. But offense defensive line was obviously when you play those games, more so than anything, skill position, anything else. It's so hard because in the SOCON, you either get the 300-pound guys, but they're not that athletic, right. or you get athletic guys that aren't 300 pounds. Now you get athletic 300-pounders. And it just wears and wears and wears. And with ETSU, even if they had a lot of depth there, which they didn't this year, but even if they had a lot of depth, it was certainly different. And once uh, once Vanderbilt got up, you know, especially that third touchdown, it was just, we're just going to pin our ears back and dare you to to beat us over the top because you're not going to be able to get the ball off, which is exactly what happened. So if ETSU could have kept it at 14, Vanderbilt wouldn't, I don't think, have been able to go quite that style. But once it got 21, then it really did turn into we just don't care.
3: I thought – Things were really setting up nicely for the Bucks, actually, much like the Appalachian State game. Matter of fact, everything just happened a little bit earlier on, right? Against Appalachian State, you're going into the last 16 minutes, down by 14, 21-7. You're sitting here saying this Appalachian State team is one that is probably only going to lose a game or two at the FBS level, probably going to get into the top 25 at some point. Those things ended up happening, and you're right with them, coming off a conference championship, and you're really excited about how things are going and the prospects for the rest of the year. Now, of course... Later on in the season, this being the last game for ETSU, you didn't quite have the outside things that were floating around about, wow, what could this mean for coming up because this was the last game. But you were down by 14, going into the half, and a Vanderbilt team that was getting pounded in the third quarter, 111-21 to throughout the year. I thought things were still right there for the box and quite honestly, had things gone just a tweak or two differently, much like a lot of the season, I know we continue to harp on it, but a tweak or two differently, a play here, play there, um, maybe, you know, hindsight being 20-20, do you go for it instead of kicking the field goal? Now, of course, you didn't expect your kicker to kick it right into the stomach of an oncoming rusher, so there's that that I think a few people thought, you know, last game, um, you know, what are you playing for? You're playing to go an upset, so... Why take the three when you know you're probably going to need touchdowns to win? But I didn't so much hate the call at that time um, when going with the field goal, obviously after the fact. I would have wished that the Bucks would have gone for it because of how things ended up. But then you get that 75-yard touchdown, you get a field goal from Vandy, another touchdown in the third quarter. It was 31 to nothing, and here's Coach Sanders on his final bite for us.
1: I thought our defense, uh, particularly the first half, did a nice job. The first drive, uh, you know, it – After that, we kind of settled in, you know. And then their second touchdown drive, we get them in third downs twice, and we have a couple of uh, busted assignments that that allow them to convert third downs pretty easily. But uh, other than that, I thought we played outstanding the first half. Uh, Second half, we come out – we talked about getting a stop and trying to put some pressure on them if we can get a stop right there to start second half, and we let them go 70-something yards on the first play just because – We got one guy gets out of gap and doesn't, just for whatever reason, we just don't do our job on one play, and that's all it takes is one guy. All it
3: takes is one guy, and that's been, I think, a theme as well. 90 plays of the 92 that someone will have to play, they'll do a great job, and then the two that they don't end up being big plays that cost the bucks. and that's something that Coach talked about a lot early in the season, hasn't talked a lot about lately, but just takes one or two plays to change a game, and one of those plays, we talked about the field goal on fourth down, Another fourth down on that second touchdown drive that Coach talked about. Fourth and two, Riley Neal to Jared Pinckney for 22 yards down to ETSU's 14. That was a chance to take the ball back. You thought it was a very good play call, I know, by Vanderbilt when you're probably thinking, all right, well, fourth and two, they got one of the best running backs in the SEC. They may not have a lot outside of that when it comes to SEC. the full but, jumbo but, package. And they've too. got the full jumbo. So everything was lining up for them to just pound it straight ahead and, and use their mass, use their weight to just outmuscle the Bucs. But you get that fourth and two conversion, then Kashawn Vaughn, the next two plays, run for 12 and run for two for the touchdown. So, honestly, fourth downs in that first half. You know, you, maybe you go for it, you didn't. You get the field goal blocked. I know that Tyler Keltner was, I think, struggling a bit with the wind in uh, pregame, and so maybe it got into his head. I can't loft it too high because I might miss left or right, so i got to drive it straight ahead, and it was too low. And then the fourth down and the second touchdown drive, and then obviously the first play of the third quarter.
0: That's pretty much it. I I was trying to think if there's anything that you forgot because, I mean, it's really – I usually do, so. I mean, it was was like penalty-free. I think ETSU, there was one – you know, they, they did get some hold call. Normally, a Nasir player never gets a hold call, you know, when he gets held. But him and Madua Fakwa each had some holding penalties against him again because they were eating the tackles alive uh, at that point. I think Bakrath even got uh, induced a hold call as well. There was the one Spagnoletti played down the middle where he just got hammered mm-hmm. about a second and a half before the ball. And yep. it was one of those where – you couldn't give the old uncatchable, you know, where the referee will put his hand over his head and kind of wave it around like it's too high, it's uncatchable, didn't matter. I mean, it was right there, and he got he got hit pretty good. The second one was was timed up, I thought, fairly well. But, you know, for the most part, the Bucks got a few flags to go their way. They played a pretty clean game. It was just, uh, you know, either in the trenches or not getting Vanderbilt off the field on third down. I think that was probably more frustrating especially in the first the first two scoring drives that they ended up having couldn't get them off the field on a couple different third third does. and fourth yeah so that I think, I think that was the issue. So,
3: And Riley Neal didn't honestly end up looking too bad. He did end up being the starting quarterback for Vanderbilt. 16-24, 179 in two scores. Kashawn Vaughn, 139 in two scores. And their offense looked, obviously, a lot better than it has a lot of the year. Um, I, I was interested to see the spread when it finally did get put down. We were talking about it on, what, Thursday? Uh-huh. Uh, 20 and a half. I thought that was a really small number on the road against an SEC team, which – I liked I that gave me some confidence and hope for the Bucks going in and early on I was very confident and hopeful as well for how they performed really in that first half and even going into the third quarter, but geez just an absolute nail in the coffin from Kashawn Vaughn.
0: Well and the Bucks get an opportunity two years down the road to uh see if they can perform Did better. Danny coming here? No. Oh. Wish it was a home and home. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, we would have had more fans. Guaranteed <laughs> hello hello more band members too. If you didn't um, see the picture. Uh, the, the the fact that ETSU outnumbered them in fans there, uh, we clearly would outnumber them in fans here. So, yeah, it probably should be playing here. But that's it. Right. Right, the band dude. had
3: the Vandy with, like, five people in the V, and there were, like, 50 people in the Y. It was one of the strangest pictures I have seen. And I think it was because... Thanksgiving, maybe they have off the entire week, and people had already gone home, or something like that, or maybe their squad was split band-wise. That's it was not a good look. Out. It, it, it seemed like
0: that they get the entire their fall break is the entire week of Thanksgiving, so people had That's headed long. their other directions. Vanderbilt, by the way, the only uh, school in the state that has every- all fifty states represented in their uh, undergraduate programs. Wow. I thought that was an interesting stat. How'd you find there. that? Yeah. That's in it was actually in
3: their notes. That's pretty impressive. Good note-taking. That's
0: what I was like. I was like, hey, everybody, at least one person from every state attends Vanderbilt undergrad.
3: Only school in Tennessee where that's the case. That's really yeah. interesting. Huh.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, think about, you know, I don't know if we have anybody from Alaska or Hawaii to begin with, but, you know, do you have somebody from Idaho going here right now? I mean, you'd have right. to go back and really search, but. Uh, somebody from
3: Maine coming down to Tennessee? I, I like yeah,
0: Well, we got a couple of Connecticut's. Uh, True. Because uh, one kid works for us. He's from Connecticut, yeah. so. There you go, we got that. All oh, right. right, we got sidetracked. Right. What okay. are we talking, hoops? I know. Sure. Hoops, right after this timeout for Santa's Sidekick on the Edward.
2: Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks. But we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision. To deliver on our promise of great service you can count on. Embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at BrightRidge.com.
0: And the sidekick back with you talking a little ETSU men's women's basketball. I do not want to yada yada the volleyball team, though, real quick. We can Great touch season touch on that. Absolutely. Benevia Jenkins uh, took over for Lindsey Devine. I thought. Outstanding uh, season they had. It came down to second year in a row, right? A five-setter ah. with Sanford. at the end of basketball yesterday. They put it up on the Jumbotron and Freedom Hall. We were able Unfortunate to watch. timing, it sounded
3: like, that it was 10-1 to already in the fifth set. but, well, but we, uh,
0: you know, They came they, back. Well, they ran it off, I think, six in a row, so it was 10-7. It was 11-8, and then from there it went south, but uh, was able to uh, – at least watch it. So, I, I didn't want to yachty out no, of that. Congratulations no. to Benavie uh, Jenkins. I mean, what a great first year. I mean, what a great first year for her. And first collegiate Massey, head
3: coaching right? gig. And Kayla Massey, the one senior yeah. who set, like, a bunch of records uh-huh. and – the winningest player in program history, 94 wins. Uh, and this is after they lost their all-league setter and top-four hitters from last year, in addition to their entire coaching staff. And losing in four sets last year against Sanford in the final, five sets this year. Uh, frustrating to not be able to get that revenge, but a young team that's got a very bright future.
0: Yeah, all right. Basketball is uh, men's first, I guess. ETSU victorious yesterday, and Saturday and Sunday, I guess. We, we need to backtrack just a, a little bit. Five players in double figures against um, – the delaware state hornets and then three other players with seven or more really spread the wealth around and uh, as was expected i believe a cakewalk against delaware state and then the matchup after southern utah throttled charleston southern what they thought they would get which is the maui mainland championship game which was southern utah etsu nice back and forth game between a couple of uh, mid-major powers, and I don't—I mean, I don't. Know, power might be a strong word, but still, a couple of mid-major programs that are very good, very good mid-major leagues, and ETSU never trailed in the game. There was a little bit of a tie for like a minute and a half. The other 38-30, basically ETSU led. And what impressed me, and this is what I think you can tell, if you're playing a good team or not, if you get up 10, 12, 15, or they lay down, and, and they did not. And the Bucks, I don't think got the 15; they got 11 or 12. And every single time, ETSU would get it to 8, 10, 12, something like that. Southern Utah always came back, made it a game, got it down to 3 late, but ETSU able to prevail in the long run, mainly because for the second straight game they hit free throws.
3: Yeah, 8 for 8 for Lucas Goussaint. He seems like he's really playing with a lot of confidence right now. I mean, he hits the 3 against Kansas. What did he have that day? I think 11 points and 7 rebounds, and then goes for 18 yesterday. You're right. I mean, Southern Utah, Well, I don't think I was ever worried about this game for ETSU, I never really was Considering the possibility of the Bucks losing the contest at any point during it, it also was close, and they got it down to just a couple of points a few times in the second half. It was forty-five to forty-two, and then you go up ten, but uh, able to work their way back in a bit um, in the middle stages of the second half of half two, but then able to really down the stretch uh, put the game away. ETSU, and like you said, I mean free throws are so big for this team. Uh, Nineteen to twenty-five yesterday, the eight of eight for Goussaint, uh, Bo Hodges despite going just one of one from the field, and this is the beauty of ETSU men's basketball. You have Bo Hodges go one-shot attempt, make it in 24 minutes, four free throws, six points, five rebounds, but because he's your quote-unquote, I don't know, I guess you'd say your main scorer, one of your top scorers, one of five or six options, but really, when it comes to stuffing the stat sheet, like we saw against Kansas, he's going to be a guy that consistently can do a lot of different things for you. I guess I'd put him as your number one option, quote-unquote, but he's... Also going to have days where he has, you know, one-shot attempt, six points, 24 minutes. And you've got other guys stepping up. Patrick Good lit it up again from outside. So fun to see him when he's shooting the ball the way he is. And Goussaint, five of seven. That's just efficiency. 18 points on seven field goal attempts. So if you throw Lucas Goussaint in there, I mean, you got Hodges, Good, Rodriguez, Tisdale, Goussaint, the starting five. And then Boyd and Williamson off the bench. Seven guys that can go for 15 or 20 points on a given night. And then Joe Hughley, it was great to see him back out there this weekend. And plus, Vonnie Patterson was back on the court. I know after missing Saturday's game uh, back out there Sunday, and he had made two field goals as well, five points and three rebounds. So really great team effort and an ETSU team that looks just as strong as ever and took care of business. I think while this was billed as a pretty good mid-major matchup between Southern Utah and ETSU and one that maybe could go either way on a given day, I think ETSU had to win it. To live up to the hype of what they're supposed to be this year, they did that.
0: Five different players in six games have been the leading scorer. Mm. Think about this. Uh, Bo Hodges has scored double figures in a game. Pat Good has scored double figures in a game. Rodriguez has scored double figures in the game. Tisdale, Goussaint, Boyd, Williamson. All double figures in a game. That's eight guys. You also have Joe Hugley. who's only played in, in a couple of games. He had eight, and Ivani Patterson's been knocking on the door as well with eight. And then Charlie Weber came off the bench with seven. So, right, I mean, they literally could have 10 guys at some point in time during the season find their way into double figures, which to me is incredible. And again, five out of six. And it has been the theme. And everyone's, to me, that's a sign of a great team, too. Everyone's singing the same thing. We just want to win. We don't care. Whoever's had the hot hand. They've been smart enough to give them the basketball. Early on, it was Goussaint. Later in the game, it was Patrick Good when they needed free throws, even though he's not been particularly great at free throws. It was Bo Hodges. You know, so uh, even Tisdale, he was 0 for 1 and hit 5 in a row before he finally missed none and finished 5 of 7. That's been Achilles' heel for him. And Tisdale ended up being your team leader in rebounds. I mean, you, you just <laughs> look around. It just uh, whatever needs to get done, this team truly seems like more than – any team steve forbes has had that everybody's on board with i don't care who does what you know we've seen shot envy point envy with with uh, the late bartos early forbes era guys where you know guys you know aren't getting their points they're kind of pouty and you know maybe not a good teammate at that point in time but we've also seen a lot of those teams reliant on a big two or three right the big two or three scores and that's it this team uh, who do you take away I mean, I mean, mean, what do you, I mean, Bo Hodges gets two quick fouls, sits for the last like 13 and a half minutes of the first half. I mean, he only played 24 minutes. Right. And he's non-factor in the first half. Bucks still lead by 10, you know, because you see what goes on. I think the first half stats, if you look at this, I, I think it showed a tell of two halves. You look at the first half stats, and I want to say, you know, they're not uh, pulling up for me right now, but I want to say it was 16 points eight rebounds, two steals, two blocks from Rodriguez and Gusson combined. Okay, So you look at it that way, and that's pretty good numbers. And then in the second half, then all of a sudden you're seeing, is that right?
3: 16 points, seven rebounds, a block. Yeah, I mean, you're right on top of it. Yeah, a couple of assists as well.
0: Yeah, so you look at that. Then, Then in the second half, if you go to it, then all of a sudden a little bit – of uh, the shooters coming to play, rather it's free throw shooting or the three-point shooting, because they were five of nine, I think it was, to start that half, and then got kind of cranking. So either way, to me, they, they were smart enough to know, okay, Gusson, Rodriguez, down low. They've got a little bit of uh, Samojo, give it to them. In the second half, it's like, hey, Patrick's on fire. He's hit a couple threes. Let's find him for a third one, you know. <laughs> and so, I, I to me, that's a sign of smart basketball. I, I think the only real knock on that game, and then we can uh, – I don't know if we have sound or need to move on. We do, yeah. Okay, but the only thing I would say is ETSU was not very tough and physical with the basketball late. I think that was an issue because they could have sealed that game up with about four minutes to go and then really let Southern Utah put a little bit of scare into it.
3: And that's something we'll hear from on Coach Forbes in a second. Here's just a general overlook on the game.
0: There's two things that we talked about
4: a lot coming into the season that had to get better, and that was free throws, and it's creeping that direction. And guarding the three-point line, and the three-point line has been pretty consistent for us defensively. The uh, the free throws have improved over the past week, but that wasn't an aesthetically beautiful game. Is that the right word? Aesthetic. Um, Why is he asking? Can I? Why is he asking me? He he is appealing to you. you you No, I'm a team signing.
3: Does he he not know about this segment? Does he not know about? Texted
4: me at two in the morning. I mean. Jay yeah, knows the English language. By the but way, did you hear he took me? Took it literally. Did, did I guess. you hear me? Just go, yeah, yeah. There's two things that we talked about a lot, sure, Coach. Coming into the season, I had just to run this whole one back, and that was free throws, and it's creeping it's in that it direction, happen. and guarding the three-point line. And the three-point line has been pretty consistent for us defensively. The, uh, the free throws have improved over the past week, but that wasn't a, an aesthetically. Beautiful games. That's the right word. I'm aesthetic. Um, Confident, yes, by me. But it was a gritty, grimy, (laughs) tough together type win, and it was a physical game. It was a hard-fought game. A lot of credit to Southern Utah. I think they got a nice team. They don't shoot it great. That 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 helped us. But boy, they are athletic around the basket, and they grab the ball and knock around loose balls and make it tough. But Uh, In the end, uh, I thought we did a good job of battling and getting the win.
3: So the two things that Coach Forbes talked about, free throws and defending the perimeter. Free throws the last two games, 78% and 77% after not breaking 68% and breaking 60% just once going into the weekend. So that's a big positive. As he talked about, creeping in that direction, defending the perimeter. 29 of 110 our opponents shooting the basketball outside the arc, 26% ETSU themselves have made at least seven three-pointers in every game and are shooting 10 points better than opponents from beyond the arc, 36%, 51 of 140. So the two things that he's wanted to improve very clearly, especially lately and especially this weekend, starting to go in the Bucks' favor.
0: Last year, I think the Bucks set a school record for three-point percentage against, and we kind of – didn't realize it during the season. We knew it was going bad. Coach Forbes kept talking about it. So it was one reason. So at the end of the year, you know when uh, the SIDs, Ken Brown in this case updates record books, right? Uh, that sort of things you, do. okay, where does this team do here? Good, bad, and different whatever. And he was like, "Oh, I don't know if I should tell coach Forbes this. They are last and or set a school record for 3 point percentage defense and so highest 3 point yeah, percentage, yeah, right? 38%. Percent, right. Yeah. So it was the highest ever in school history. 296 threes made. And I was like, ah, so Forbes is happened to come to my office. I'm like, hey, said so just a heads up. We set a school record for uh, three point percent given up. And he looked at me and went, "I'm glad you told me that. Print that out." And so he went straight to his coat. And I, I guess they had had an argument between. He had said in his tenure being there, they've been very good against the three. Last year they weren't. It was a little, I think, dissension amongst the staff. I don't, I don't feel that that was true. We guarded okay, and Forbes. And, I, and now you're seeing the we need to get beat as he's been saying two by two by two. And don't get beat by giving up a ton of threes. Run them off the line. And so far, they've been doing that. And uh, the, the truth is, too, they've, they have played a few teams that aren't particularly – in fairness, I think the defense has done a great job running them off the line, but they've also played teams that aren't particularly great three-point shooting teams so far.
3: Southern Utah, as Coach Forbes mentioned, being one of those. This is about the two men you talked about, Jerome Rodriguez and Lucas Goussaint. I thought
4: Romy and Lucas kept, you know, guys off to a, a good 10-point halftime lead and. You know, uh, they we did we had a hard time scoring to start of the second half. Finally got it going, but Lucas was a presence in there all day long. And you're right; those once they started coming down and double teaming, or or at least digging, that gave our guards wide open threes.
3: Wide open threes for Patrick, good, uh, mostly in that second half with three of them.
0: Yeah, and, and Trey hit two or one in the second half.
3: In the second half, it was one. Okay, three hey. for good, one for Boyd, four of twelve in the second half. He did, overall he, on the he day. he stopped the
0: bleeding on it. I remember that nine that of the, twenty-four from three. Yeah, of the there day. was a, there was a run uh, Southern Utah was putting on, and the Bucks were having trouble getting a basket. And Trey Boyd was able to to knock that shot down to, to help out. But that's. You know, to, to be able to, to do, be so versatile, I think that's the biggest thing. They're so versatile in what they can do offensive and defensively. I think that's another key besides sharing the ball.
3: One of the things you mentioned earlier in our conversation about DTS men's basketball, finishing is still something you critique. Coach Forbes as well. We
4: obviously have to clean up how we finish the game. I mean, we were poor, you know, attacking pressure, getting fouled, taking the foul in the trap, getting it stolen instead, giving them. Those are things, but we haven't seen that. So, like, you're right. I think those things will help us. Uh, but we've got to be a lot tougher and more physical against pressure uh, when we have the lead and then go make free throws.
3: Really the only thing, if you look across the board statistically, that ETSU needs to improve, and as we said, again, they did this weekend free throw shooting where opponents are shooting like three-tenths of a percent better, but field goal percentage, ETSU plus six, three-point percentage plus 10% on opponents Rebounding, obviously, we knew that was going to be solid. Plus 7 assists, plus 30 on the year. 10 less turnovers, 19 more blocks and 11 more steals. I don't know how you attack this team if you're an offense going at them, and I don't know how you stop it because there's so many options if you're a defense. And
0: I still go with, I was amazed at the end of the day that ETSU lost a majority of categories. The two they didn't lose, one was free throws. Obviously, if you take more than your opponent, right, you make more. Than your opponents take, more than likely, it's like a 97% chance of winning. I made that up, but it it, it is in the 90 percentile. Good fake uh, stat. And uh, it's not that fake, but (laughs) uh, there was, it's funny, Coach Forbes' first year, there were like, I think it was 24 games in all of college basketball that a team that had taken less free throws than the other teams made had won, and ETSU had won like four of them. So they had totally blown up the stat, which I had always spouted out and have done it for 18 years now on air of whenever you've taken more than a team. And so it blew my mind that that had happened. But they took 19 – or they hit 19 free throws compared to the 16. So you look at that, and then obviously three-pointers made nine to four. But other than that, you look across the board, and they didn't really – they didn't win a lot of categories. I mean, block shots, I guess. They tied in turnovers. Rebounds even. You know, rebounds were even. But they lost in offensive rebounds. You know, they give up a lot more offensive rebounds, which usually is pretty good at. They lost steals. Uh, I mean, you just look at a few things. I mean, points off turnovers, I think they lost. Second chance points, I think they lost. Um, bench points, I think they lost. I mean, it was a lot of categories in which is very good at. Points in the paint and, they lost. And if you, just, if you just rattled off, without saying the free throws and the three-point numbers, if you rattled off six or eight of those, you'd probably sit there and go, okay, they lost. So, to me, it's impressive again because you're trying to take away certain things, and Southern Utah did that, bested ETSU at some of the things they do best, and ETSU still won going away. 19 made free throws for the box. 16 attempted
3: for Southern Utah and hit just 50% of their free throws, Southern Utah. I thought, if you look at the one stat that you want to pull out outside of just free throws, four assists on 23 field goals for Southern Utah, while ETSU had 13 on 21 field goals. So, forcing Southern Utah, the Thunderbirds to playing ISO basketball and not letting them share, set up their offense and convert when they're all touching the ball. And that's just not a recipe for success. I mean, that's incredible. Thirteen to four in assists. Four assists and twenty three field goals. Um ETSU is really clicking on all cylinders right now. They hope to do the same come Tuesday against the Appalachian State of Freedom Hall.
0: So we have that broadcast for you, 6.30 pregame show, 7 o'clock. Tip, speaking of Appalachia State, you're going to be on your way up to Boone here in a little bit.
3: Yeah, not too long from now, uh, about two or three hours from when we're recording this, um, 6.30 is tip-off, 6 o'clock pregame on the Buccaneer Sports Network from the Holmes Convention Center, and ETSU is right now just ravaged by injury. We know about Erica Haynes-Overton, but uh, heard from Coach Zell yesterday that Jada Craig is going to be out indefinitely. She will not play today. She's still dealing with, and I... Unfortunately I think we'll have to be dealing with if she's going to come back at all we don't know it's just an indefinite timetable quote unquote well, knee injuries knee and leg injuries that she's had for the last couple of years has kept her off the court and she's so valuable in the sense that she can just get Kaya Upton some bench time just here and there because Kaya is going to be playing probably 37 or 38 minutes now there's no backup point guard outside of Jada Craig the only quote unquote backup point guard would be Amaya Adams who coaches out called her Swiss army knife the other day when we were talking so that's not going to be easy to navigate around if you just have Kaya Upton she's going to have to get used to being out there a lot as are a lot of these bucks I mean if you look down the roster right now You've got Micah Sheets, of course, but she's not 100%. She actually had surgery on her lower leg in the off season because she was having I, the exact term I can't release, but the uh, essentially there was too much pressure being put into her leg by the rest of her body, and it can be a very, very serious thing if not dealt with. So she had to have surgery. She's still not 100% from that. Coach Zell said about 70 or 75 if she's being honest. You've got Micah that's available. Ariel Harvey... Was it about 50 or 60 percent last game? She was in a boot after the game against Radford because she turned her ankle. Tiana Kimbrough, I think, is really coming along and really looking like she can be a post force, which is exactly what Coach Giselle thought she could be when she recruited her coming in. Um, Gabby Brown still isn't playing a lot of minutes and is still looking for her f- first field goal for the Bucs. Shania Jackson is kind of up and down right now, though she did look better from the field last game. Then you got Upton Adams. Sierra Perdue isn't really on the floor a lot. She's. I'd say the ninth of nine right now in terms of the minutes that she's going to get, and Elise Stafford. And that's your nine. Sheets, Harvey, Kimbrough, Brown, Jackson, Upton, Adams, Purdue, and Stafford. And so it's going to be an uphill battle. Now, this Appalachian State team's 0-4. They did win the WBI last year, though, and lost really only one significant piece off that team. Now, it was their leading scorer, kind of the nucleus of their team, Maddie Story, but this team's going to be hungry to come in and get their first win. And they've lost to South Carolina, lost to VCU games that you'd expect to lose, but also lost to Elon and lost to Gardner-Webb, who are really middling mid-majors at best. This is a winnable game, but only in the sense of any of the games right now for ETSU being winnable, right? Like It's just going to be a struggle because you don't have all your pieces. And that's the frustrating part. It seems like that's how it's been for coaches all the last couple of years.
0: Well, and you look at uh, a couple of games that they they had lost, they being Appalachian State. Very good, VCU team. Elon's generally the one of the They're top projected eighth in the CAA this year, though. Oh, are they really? Yeah. Ooh, that's so a shock. that's a bad loss. Yeah, that's a shock. Now, I know Gardner Webb particularly is usually not good in the Big South. Fifth is their yeah, projection and that's there. that's about where they normally are. And you lose at number six, South Carolina. Right, I nothing mean, to scoff at that. The Elon went then is head scratching because yeah. they had for a long time in the Southern Conference as well as the CAA had a pretty good women's program altogether. So a little bit shocking there, but yeah, you know, the, for them. You know, it's just the second game in the Holmes Convocation Center. Maybe they're trying to play a get right team against a team that looked a little better, I think, without Eric Haynes over in game two. Life starting without, to figure it out a bit more. Life without EHO, right? So mm-hmm. they're starting to figure. So as they grow, I think you, you're right. I think Stafford, to me, has a good enough shot. Some of those have got to start dropping. I think Amaya Adams is going to. Uh, Harvey's another one that, that you watch her and shoot around, and my goodness, she's filling it up. It just hasn't translated to games yet. Starts to drop. For her, maybe you get Adams going along. And then I still think it's going to be how can somebody take some pressure off so that people just can't key on Sheets? So Sheets can do a little bit more of what Micah Sheets is good at. She's going to be
3: someone that draws double teams instantly. And we've seen some of that in the first two games against Radford and UNCA. Everyone's going to flow to her because she. I think was a snub from the preseason all-conference team. I mean, she's got that kind of quality. She dropped 26 earlier this season against North Carolina a and a career high. She's still filling it up. Nine of her last ten, she's been double figures. So, yeah, I mean, no doubt, there's got to be that second scorer to step up. Elise Stafford can be it, but she's got to stay out of foul trouble. She's had 16 fouls in the last four games. So, you can't be that second score consistently if you're not in the court. And Coach Azell is not someone that's going to just run you out there until you get five fouls. Even in this case where you've got nine players, she's got to stay out of foul trouble. Got to resist the urge to go and slap at the ball and commit the the bad fouls. Right? Like if you're in the paint and you're you're contesting a shot, it happens. You know, sure, you're you're going to draw a foul or two. But there have been some bad fouls amongst those sixteen. So she's got to stay in the court. Kaya Upton has. Got to be the facilitator, the distributor, and work to get people open. She had five assists last game. She's a very good point guard. Doesn't bring a lot of scoring potential, unfortunately. The jump shot really just usually isn't there. So it's got to be Sheets. It's got to be Stafford. And then down low, it's got to be Kimbrough. And hopefully Kimbrough can continue to come along. And Shania Jackson's got the ability as well. We just haven't seen it on a day-in, day-out basis. So interested to see what happens tonight. Without a doubt, it's just been horrible timing for the Bucks to have these injuries too, three games in five days. And then they've got Davidson coming in Saturday, who is a perennial – contender in the a10 so uh tough timing uh, fortunately this is a quick trip up the mountain hopefully the bucks can bring their best and while they have been struggling i think this is a chance for them to put a team that's been a little bit down on their luck this year as well appalachian state to a fifth straight loss and for the bucks to get off the schneid
0: six o'clock pregame show 6 Six thirty air time you can listen on wxsm The Sports Monster on the app. Tune in and all the other stuff they got going on there. Certainly you'll have that. We'll have a recap for you on Wednesday. That's women's basketball action tonight. The men tomorrow. Both teams taking on Appalachian State. we come back. Pros versus Jays. Right after this word from... Sandos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network.
1: Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty? Naughty and nice? Hot and cold? Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. On. Please play responsibly.
4: Pros. Buckle up for Kobe Bryant.
1: Kobe Bryant just sucked the gravity out of the target center. What a pass. Five seconds left in the game. you believe in miracles? Yes!
2: In your life have you seen anything like that. And the deep left
4: center for Mitchell. And we'll see you tomorrow High
5: fly ball.
1: happen. had 42 home runs during the regular season. And we are going to game seven in the National League championship series. The Bears is out on the field. He's going to go in the window. He's going to go in the middle the Bears. The Bears have won. The Bears have won.
3: Versus Jays? I need a shower. That's well, been a long time. We haven't had one of these in what feels like maybe three or four weeks. We've been just bogged down. It's been a complete cluster of us trying to just fill as much time as we can and cover the programs the best way we can. So that's meant that the fun has been pushed to the side, pushed to the back seat. But don't want to just gloss over the fact that it was your 1,000th broadcast. I think it was two weeks ago, the second to last football contest of the year against Mercer, a 38-33 win. The Bucks got you that. And I wanted to before we get into really our back and forth on pros versus Jays this week which is Jay Sandoz versus the rest of the broadcasting community, the quote-unquote pros. Uh, This really is going to be more just about reminiscing on your career, reminiscing on your favorite stories, but there were your broadcast partners that decided to do some reminiscing themselves on that day, two Saturdays ago against Mercer.
1: Officially,
0: I've done 336 baseball, 70 women's basketball, 531 men's basketball. That includes the games I've done this year in 63 football games today. So, instead of doing some of that and instead of yada uh, yada uh, how great I am, which you know I love me, I'm going to do what <laughs> I do. You, Jay. I, 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 but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you guys tell your favorite uh, Jay story, and when I told the guys to do this, in loving of Rick Cameron and it was making fun of them, I have opened the door for not really good broadcast stories, but funny, whatever you've got. So, I will sit down and I will let the guys have at it here. I've got a nice
5: one, and, and Robert, this is kind of a co story for Robert Whoa. and I. Jay and I were doing an ETSU baseball game, and I forget nah, who yeah. we were playing against. Tells Jay that one of their players is going to be out because he had, I think it was, what was it, a hammock yeah. in the wrist that had been removed so he couldn't play. And Jay's not really paying attention, I think, as Jay's got a problem of doing it. As I will tell in another story, he thinks the guys had his hammy removed yes and he actually says that on the air and i said jay i don't think you you can remove remove your hammy no and so robert catches wind of it campbell's coming to johnson city the next week yes and he comes in and i'm gonna let you pick up from there robert well we had a guy who was actually drafted i think 14th round by the chicago white
2: Sox after that season uh ryan hammy it just kind of really just laid (laughs) itself out there perfectly um, and Ryan actually led the ace Sun at that year, but uh, Ryan Hammy from Campbell University. Don had told me the story, so I basically just told him. Walked up to Jay and said, hey, you know, Ryan had his last name changed um, because he had his uh, Hammy removed. <laughs> Jay went with it. But, uh, I'm was, like Rod Burgundy sometimes, hand. right? I'm right? like Rod Burgundy. With it, but Ryan Hammy that did not have his. Hamstring removed, but uh, that was uh, I think that was the end of that joke We kind of had a good laugh over for a while and I think how many innings you go like one or two with that thing And then uh, we kind of let you in on it My stories are are a little bit different because for the most part I've been on the opposite side of Jay I've been on another radio broadcast usually getting beat which is kind of where this kind of all leads to But I I think I met Jay in what 05 or 06. I can't remember if it was the 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 winner of the early January February of 06 in Carter gym when uh, Tim Smith and Brad knuckles the sky to score like 40 140 uh, on the camels at that point, uh, and, and win the game but that just started a, a long friendship that uh, really never culminated in us doing many broadcasts together jay only thing i remember jay ever telling me about me coming to johnson city and never won a game in the dome whether it's with north florida or with campbell i think it was the 0- way i like it but go ahead it's like oh and nine or something like that oh it actually won a game but it was against the jackson on the conference tournament you know the one thing that i remember is coming in jay and i kind of built up this friendship and i don't know i think i'd been at north florida at the time he goes you know robert what i love about when you come to town he said i get to see you he said my really good friend he said and i also know i'm going to get wins you know if you can't beat him what do you do
5: you call jay up and you join him I've been very fortunate because i've had an opportunity to do basketball football and baseball with jay and back in the day when I was doing ETSU women and he was and of course calling the man We used to there was a period of time where he would be on the bench behind the women's bench when I was calling Play-by-play wow. play, and I would do the same thing during the men's games and coming out of timeouts We would talk about What was going to happen what they had discussed and so I remember a, And this happened more than once but I would be Discussing what they had talked about coming out of the timeout what they maybe were going to play what defense they were going to be in and there was probably at least four or five different times jay would come back and say oh it looks like the bucks are doing this or it looks like the bucks are in this defense and i said well jay if you'd have been listening you'd have known that i just got done saying that and of course then he always tried to blame tom comrade for it because he said conrad was just dist- was was distracting him while i was talking
2: i don't want to put a wrap on this but i'm going to try to put a little bit of a ball i think it's pretty apropos guys and i and jay I, you don't say much about your service but i think the fact that This is Veterans Week, in my mind. We had the Veterans Day on Monday that we're debuting the Free to Me. You are a service in in the Army, and we certainly appreciate and respect that. And you're doing your thousands broadcast all in like a six-, seven-day period. Pretty special for you. So, uh, hey, I'm honored to be here. Uh, I'm honored to spend time with you and goof off for three or four hours every Saturday.
5: And if it wasn't for his service in, uh, in the Army Reserve and going to Iraq, I wouldn't have gotten a free trip to Hawaii with the ETSU Match Basketball so team. There you go. Don, did you have any stories you want to tell? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you mean, Oh, sorry. i sorry.
3: No, I give you credit because that was a great, great way to close it. I can't believe I'm agreeing with Don Hellman on something. It makes me fear for where my head's at. Mm-hmm. But you even did it in the last segment with the Elon thing. I said, oh, yeah, they're projected eighth. And then you came back in and you are like, oh, you know, they're really pretty solid. I was like, no, no, no. Remember, I said they're projected eighth. And I didn't say that. Tom actually missed it. Yeah, Tom Coyne he isn't here. He's no. not here. He sent me
0: a text. Did he, sent, he really? <laughs> he did. He sent me a text. We may have a podcast new sponsor. I'll tell you about it in a minute. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's actually okay. Well, you know what? It was. It was. I'm podcast, all right that you missed that one then. But but in in fairness, he it, it was, apropos if you will. You like when I try to use big words I just heard right somebody else Yes, used. correct. And. Um, he had sent me a text right in about, hey, I think I got somebody who wants sponsor the podcast. Uh, let him listen to it. They're in town here. So it was kind of funny." How that far do they make it to... into the
3: podcast is my first question.
0: Mm, that's good. I don't know. <laughs> let's make sure that they don't hear any more of
3: it.
1: Yeah, if they're also, already on board, just let's, let's just make sure. Em, stop
3: em. Uh, so the fact that I'm agreeing with Don, it happens at least once a show. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, the Tom Conrad, texts, or whoever the texts are, I, it's just mind-boggling that we repeat all the information that we do on this show day in, day out. My one question about – Uh uh-huh the 1000 segment that we just heard how long and i just want to make sure that this i'm understanding this the right way hammett versus hammy when robert told you that ryan hammy changed his name because he has hamstring removed
0: you did not go with that on air no i i I cursed at him loudly (laughs) because
3: (laughs) he made it sound like you actually were like oh yeah ryan hammy
0: changed his
3: name because he has hammy removed wants to have his name because he's got no hammy anymore
0: there was uh Don, and, and again, it's it's so funny how we, we've all kind of been able to work uh, with each other, around each other, whatever it may be, because Robert, for a while there at Campbell, never did a home game. Campbell believed in not doing radio home games, mm. so Robert was on the road all the time doing men's and women's basketball. Never Every week was gone. Yeah. And so, and I only get a chance, to, and Don Hamill's doing our women's games, and so he got to hang out with, with me and the men's, got to hang out with Don there, so... But Mike Flynn, who's now at Georgia Tech, which I told that it, it, it was so funny because, again, you know this, sometimes you hand me stuff and I read without looking as well and just kind of read it, and the way he had Hammett scribbled out there, said, Hammy, And I remember thinking out loud, boy, I think, Donna, can you run? And Don's rolling. Like, it just hasn't even <laughs> dawned on me how impossible that would be. Like, first of all, I don't know if he could walk or not, you couldn't be an athlete. There, there's no way you can run down, you know, down the base. And, and the funny thing is, this guy led the nation in bunt hits that year. <laughs> so, on top of that, I mean, Flynn comes flying out of there because him and Tuna, our good buddy, uh, uh, we'll talk about Tuna. I may even get Tuna on the, the podcast when we play LSU basketball, uh, Baton Rouge guy. But they were listening. And so, it ended up being all about a 30-second delay. That so, sometimes people would open the door say, we kind of hear us and – uh, App, for whatever reason, that day didn't have uh, – and normally David Jackson did a majority of the games but didn't do that one. And so it was just an et- – so they had linked to our broadcast and everything. So on top of being an idiot just for our fans, the App State people had to hear it too. So Flynn comes flying out the door and he's – I mean – cursing at me and yelling like what are you doing it's a hammy. He's pointing his wrist I'm like what are you talking about so finally don's like hey why don't you go talk to him and so then he's like what? like and so it's been a running joke he will send me an occasional hey i don't know if you saw this guy get hurt but it looks like uh, they're gonna have to remove his hammy so i get a lot of those uh, it won't die right it, it, it happened and that just happened that was like a wednesday game and Friday, Campbell came to town, so it was that quick that that Don was Which able to get better. Robert on me. And Ryan Hammy was a heck of a player. And Jace just want to let you know, he chased him. Like, oh, really? What was his last name? So I'm taking the best part is Robert didn't set it up as great as it really was because he gives me this. I got this great note. If you want to tell an air about Ryan Hammy, I mean, it's just an unbelievable. You want, you know, he had this medical <laughs> procedure. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm got my notepad out and I'm writing, and then he drops the. You know, because he had his hammy removed, <laughs> he decided to change his name since he's the first guy successfully to do that and still play. And you just look
3: sport. up at him, I'm sure, just like
0: yeah, there was not a lot of good words. Uh, and then, of course, Don brought it back up in like the third inning later, and they had another good laugh about it.
3: But so those are some stories from your very close broadcast partners <laughs> yeah. over the years that you've worked with. But we never got to hear what your favorite broadcast story is from your broadcast career here. That's now over a thousand games.
0: So playing Chattanooga in the uh, Southern Conference Tournament. 04, 05, so it was the 05 conference tournament. Just got back from Iraq. It was the the year back. The team had taken a step back from 27 wins to a 10-win team. Hmm. Uh, Beat Furman in the first round. They're playing in Chattanooga. And James Anthony, a few weeks earlier, had set the three-point record for uh, most made threes, which has since been passed by Courtney Pegram, which has since been passed by Patrick Good. And that day, for whatever reason, Anthony couldn't throw it in the ocean. And so he had actually missed, I want to say, his first eight threes. Wow. ETSU's still in it. This is the year that Chattanooga actually won and went to the tournament. So this is the quarterfinal game in their building. They were the one seed. And so ETSU, and had bounced Chattanooga the previous two years um, out, of the, out of the championship game to go to the tournament. So there was a lot riding on the line. And Anthony finally hits one from the from the left wing and it made it a two point game. ETSU gets a steal. They find Anthony in the exact same spot and he airballs it by about <laughs> four feet. I mean he threw it not short, but it landed on the other side of the lane so bad that nobody it actually bounced before somebody could go get it. And without thinking, I dropped a curse word. In the middle of and just <laughs> kept rolling on and said, James Anthony hasn't hit that blank shot all day. And just, and, and just kept going. just like it like, happened. damn? And it was. Okay, and so, well. And so I, I. I was hoping it wasn't what I was no, thinking no, it would no, be. No, okay, no, good. No. Go ahead. But but I said it, and I, I just keep going. Of course, it's still not acceptable. You know, of course, we're a podcast. So it's fine now. Right. But, like, still not acceptable. FCC around the yes. city. And so Mark Newland, who cuts all of our bumpers, is sitting next to. Oh, where's Newland in the back? Newland was backing me up. Uh-huh. Steven Leinbarger, who had to suck it up there the other day you played, he starts, he hits me on the arm, and uh, and I have no doubt. I'm sorry, Newland and Leinbarger were there. But both of them hit me because I'm, I'm flanked right and left. Both of them are hitting me. I just keep going. So nothing's said. At the end of the night, we go to uh, Sticky Fingers or whatever the restaurant is, and, and the season's over, and it's been a terrible year, and everybody's like, why are you smiling? I'm like, I, you know, I, I went to war, came back. And there's nothing more that gets me excited in ETSU Chattanooga game. And life could be a lot different for a lot of people that went over there. And for me, it was fine. So that was like, you know, I've made it a whole year, I've survived everything else. And we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, Mike White, who's, uh, you know, uh, an employee here, was my boss for a long time. His wife, who never listens to anything, his first wife calls and says, "Um, Me and my mom are listening. Did Jay cuss on air? (laughs) So Mike just stops. You know, Mike's very religious and refuses to, you know, let anybody curse or anything. And so he he hangs up the phone, he's just staring at me because nobody knew what his wife had said. He's like, Jay, did you curse on air? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. And Steven and uh, Mark are like, oh, yeah, you did. I'm like, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. <laughs> and, of course, we have stretch internet. We've got all this. And uh, so they end up – they go to great lengths to find it. Sure enough, it did. I didn't really remember, to be honest. I remember them hitting me, them doing whatever. Uh, but just everything that went around to – all the backstories into that—that's always one of my uh, uh, go-to stories. That, that uh, you know, one of those things that really didn't happen. A lot of people think about the win. The other one I'll tell you is when we first got the tide line. It, a lot of places, it was hard to get a an internet line that worked properly, mm. and. Things would drop, and you had a backup phone line. Well, the school we were at didn't have a a phone line.
3: The tie line, for people that don't know, is the piece of equipment we use on the road to connect back to the studio to broadcast.
0: A a Kodak, phone Kodak system. Yes, correct. So it it basically takes the internet line, phone line, and puts it into where you can do an audio Kodak at high levels. So ISD and some of these other things that high schools do. Well, we can't afford the ISD and leagues in. So we were in the Atlantic Sun then. And, there was a, and it was close enough, I don't know if it was upstate or, or somebody it was close enough for fans to be there. And it kept cutting out so much in every regular phone line that I found an old, big, long, red, uh, red rubber band. I ended up calling into the the phone line, like our old callers used to do, Mike, when you first got here, mm-hmm. and rubber band a cell phone <laughs> to my head <laughs> with the headset over it. And when it would drop from there, they would just pot up the cell phone. And so it would sound terrible until... I would realize it was out I would dial back in we 'd get back on there. we went that the whole game, and somebody took a photo of it. It was a photographer who took a photo of it and sent it to me worth me having a rubber band cell phone to my head and the headset on at the same time. Where is that? Why I, have I, I will, not seen I, that I, before I will, I will try to find it that oh. 's a classic and then the, the other things honestly aren 't games it 's all the things leading up to the game, all the preparation, yeah. all the shenanigans of the travel, all that stuff to me, and it 's been great to win. Championships and been lucky. There are a lot of guys that do this for 20, 30 years and never go to anyone. And I've been to, you know, NCAA basketball tournaments, men's and women. I've been to baseball and I've been to FCS playoffs. And there's people that maybe get one or none over their career. So to have all that happen, there's plenty of those moments. And then the other thing I would say is just sometimes knowing that something I have done, a call wise, that lives. With a player it's one of their greatest moments. I've had a couple people say, Hey, I've still got this call, or they would ask me, Could you send it to me? And I want to steal from Casey Marlar because one time he was, he was talking to my class and they asked him, What was his, you know, why does he like the job that he does? He goes, "Is, is he said, I'm going to say this, it's going to sound terrible. He goes, But sometimes the biggest moment in people's lives, high school, college, whatever, is a sports moment that they'll remember forever, and I get to be a part of that and I always try to give them the call that they deserve because, unfortunately for some people, this this will be the highlight of everything they do. A lot of people won't. They'll be go on to be, you know, husbands or wives and, and fathers and mothers and, and business people that, that, you know, nonprofits, surgeons, you know, doctors, all this other stuff, but there are a lot that don't. There are a lot that still struggle once they get out of college, and we, we've all seen those stories and They've struggled, and it happens at ETSU as much as it does at Tennessee and all these other schools. So being able to give people those calls that, that they can remember, I think, is, is some good. So when they have something, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing. And then the last thing I'll just say is being able to do it at my alma mater. Grew up watching the games. Mom and Dad took me there. Always you're a Buccaneer first. Being able to go to school here and then spend uh, all my Division one career here at ETSU, I think all that's very special. Congratulations!
3: Thank you, buddy, Mister One Thousand, Jay Sandos. All yeah, right, no snark for me today. Just I know, i was waiting. No, I, I thought you were going to
0: cut out one of my. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I could do that any other time. Well, that's right. I thought you were going to do the oh, I didn't touch it routine or something. Who knows? <laughs> all, right. all right, taking things out of context, what Mike Gallagher does best. So does the whole network. Step aside for a time. I want come back. Bold predictions. How do we do on the SoCon and ETSU season long predictions? Not good. I will tell you that on the other side sandals sidekick buccaneer sports network
3: etsu fans there is no more entertaining way to spend your wednesday nights than with the human soundbite real randy sanders
1: it's big boy football The
3: buccaneer head coach joins jay sandos live at wild wing cafe every wednesday night at 6 p.m and if you can't make it to downtown johnson city to have
1: chicken wings and tater
3: tots with coach you can listen right here on am 640 All fall long, ETSU head football coach Randy Sanders, Wednesday nights. What time is it, anyway? 6 p.m.
5: on the Sports Monster. Everyone in the stadium and across the NFL world is aware that quarterback Andrew Luck decided to retire.
1: Antonio Brown ditches practice again after another issue with his helmet. There
4: is a code that has been broken here with Antonio Brown. He's just not a good human. But unless you've been living under a rock, you guys all know that the AAF is folded.
5: Wide receiver Josh Gordon has been reinstated and is now eligible to return to New England. The great Bill Belichick keeps giving Gordon chances. Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes told reporters flat out if UCLA had paid his buyout, he probably would be at UCLA now instead of at Tennessee. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine.
3: No, a simple wrong is never enough, as we know. It has to come with ridicule. Carrying of oneself down from the pedestal that we put ourselves on and massive, massive humiliation. And unfortunately, we have more of that this week <laughs> with our look at both predictions. Can't wait. Season-long predictions that we made on football for ETSU and football in the Southern Conference.
0: Do you want to start? Do you remember yours? Uh, the only one – well, yes, I remember uh, – we're going ETSU or we're going Southern Conference?
3: Let's start with ETSU. You brought I, yours I, up I, a time or two throughout the year. I
0: know uh, Manuel, Donovan Manuel, I thought, would lead the team in tackles for the year. And he which was didn't up end up being bad. Yeah, he was up there, but he, but he did not. I think Artavius Smith, if I'm not mistaken, led the team in tackles. Yeah, Artavius
3: Smith had 80 tackles. Great year for Artavius. Five interceptions to lead the team. Four pass breakups, nine pass defense, which was tied for first, a team high. If he's
0: not first all league, something's wrong. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Right. Zach Yancey finished second in tackles, but then there's Manuel, who looks really promising. 57 tackles, third on the team, 4.5 for a loss, a sack, an interception, a couple of breakups, a couple of quarterback hits, three passes defensed. I thought a very reasonable, rational, and almost right. For a redshirt freshman. For a redshirt freshman. I mean, he's got a very bright future. So you, get you got Donovan Manuel um, leading in tackles did not happen. Now, remember, each of these was for, like, three or five points or something. Uh, you also had a wide receiver on ETSU, no, catching no, 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 eight-plus no, no, no. touchdowns. I'm pretty, I'm
0: pretty sure I had Trey Mitchell throwing eight. I want you to check the tape. Mm, on that.
3: Well, that wouldn't be very bold. He wasn't starting quarterback when Well, I that's did. a good point. If you would have said <laughs> Trey Mitchell, actually, I did. that I is a good it. point. I said eight. That I said is that. a good point.
0: But you're, I, I remember now. I did. Uh, but they did at least throw over eight. through so threw thir- 13, 13 he, he touchdowns Trey overall. Threw overall. Trey threw 11. Okay.
3: I think the craziest stat for me maybe of the entire Juwan, ETSU football season, Jawan Martin God.
0: leads receiving options in touchdowns. He was three catches, three touchdowns, and he caught one he didn't need to catch at Vandy for negative oh. two yards. And I was screaming third quarter. I was screaming the radio that Juwan Martin had messed up my four year plan for him,
3: which would have been what three touchdowns a year, receiving twelve catches, twelve Just, touchdowns or something. Just every only catch catches a touchdown, touchdown, right? Instead, his final line: four catches, six yards, and three touchdowns. Still very efficient with his options as he went into the end zone for a team leading. Three receiving touchdowns for Joe Martin. Two apiece for Anthony spagnoletti Nate Adkins, keith Coffee, and Will Huzzy. So incorrect there. For me, Nasir player, ten sacks. Unfortunately, TSU did not get to the quarterback as often as they did last year. Just seventeen combined sacks as a team. Four sacks for Nasir. Did have nine and a half tackles for a loss, which I could have tried to pass off as maybe I was going that way, but instead I'll just own it. Ten sacks. Four of them uh, came to fruition. Six did not. I am wrong. Nine and a half tackles for loss. The most for anyone, bless you, uh, anyone on uh, ETSU. And Quay Holmes, 1,500 yards. And let me tell you, when he was coming on strong late, I was obviously very, very happy for the young man. But I was also a little bit bitter selfishly because if he would have had thrown maybe another 250-yard game or had run a bit more consistently like he did in those two games where he had like 400 and I think it was what 421 combined yards on the ground in those two games uh, maybe I would have had a chance instead he ends up with 1133 5.8 per carry seven touchdowns did break the single game record for rushing yards did not break the season record which he had a chance to get very outside chance going into Saturday against Vanderbilt
0: so I'm not going to let you change the number next year because I have a feeling you're going to go like 1250 next year I'm going to call shenanigans (laughs) you're going to go 1500 again if you go quite home that's what I'm saying
3: okay that's fair um I thought he had a chance to go way over the top because the record for ETSU in a a uh, year is well below 1500 is it not isn't it like 13 something
0: yeah it's 1340 something I should have just predicted him to beat the why did I predict 170 yards over the record that doesn't make any sense yeah I don't I don't know why you didn't do the research did you didn't you have an Asir player one yeah, I already No, I'm just kidding. I, getting, uh, oh, I got away. Look, look what I did. Dang it. Yeah. Uh, Fell okay. right into that one. Southern Conference. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, let me do mine first. Come okay. on. Come on. <laughs> okay. Because ETSU was the eighth seed the previous year, I thought, well, who's picked eighth? <laughs> Western Carolina. Where'd they finish? <laughs> eighth. So I, but I predicted them to win the league. Uh, How about that? That's as bold as it
3: gets. All right, go. Well, predicting... Whoever was ninth would be as bold as it gets. But anyway, he finished eighth after being predicted eighth. You said they would go to the playoffs. And I don't think I had win the league down, but go to the playoffs. That kind of well, implies whatever. 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 Uh, either yeah. way, not close. You
0: could have said anything other than finish eighth and
3: Two and six on the conference year, three and nine overall. I said that Chattanooga would be the Southern Conference champions. That did not happen. They took a kind of bad loss, I'd say, to VMI in their last game. But at that point...
0: I don't know. Do you think they would have had a Wofford, chance? right? I mean, they dropped the game-winning two-point conversion. Yep. Just those two wins, what does that put
3: them? Uh, that would have put them at 7-1, and one, and Wofford yeah. would have had yeah, two losses,
0: and Chattanooga would
3: have been yep. in. So I'm yep. actually pretty happy about that prediction. That wasn't um, a bad one. As it turns out, they finished other, third. Other
0: than you pick Chattanooga to do something positive, which we hate. Which
3: you hate. Uh, Chattanooga finishes third, five and 5-3, the conference record. Furman second at 6-2, and Wofford at 7-1. and one. So moral victory for me, at least. Unfortunately, no real thought, victories for you. I
0: thought you heard the coaches say we're not in a moral victory.
3: Well, Coach Forbes said that at Kansas, but it sounded like he was pretty happy with that moral victory, to be honest. Nobody said that. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty happy with that moral victory. We've also got some season-long college football, bigger-scale FBS predictions that we'll get to after the season is over, uh, and also NFL predictions that are going a bit pear-shaped on both of them.
0: We'll recap FCS playoff picture. We'll talk a little ETSU, what to expect, football recruiting coming up. It might be a full show. Basketball, course, basketball. basketball. It might be a full show. Can't get a full show.
3: hour. Wow. Think about that. I don't know why we will do that to let's ourselves hope, on a Wednesday, we technically have a day off. Let's hope the possible new sponsor does not hear that hour because we will be our heads will be in Thanksgiving already. Well,
0: yeah. The good news is I can come in and jump soon. Santa, sidekick, Buccaneer.
3: That's a great vision to leave me with.
0: See ya.